Good morning, I'm Francis Keeney and welcome to The Trough for Wednesday the 1st of March. Your daily bite-sized wrap of all the political news you need to know this morning. Pressure on the PM as the Liberals fail to come to an agreement to change racial vilification laws and the Queensland Liberal National Party threatening to split. Now, demergers in the business world usually point to major internal rifts or cash flow problems, and it's no different in the political sphere. The Financial Review and Mark Riley from Channel 7 are both reporting that talks are underway at a senior level for the Liberal National Party in Queensland to split amid fears about the prospect of one nation. Now, this is nothing new, it has to be said. It's not the first time we've heard about this. But federal MPs in Queensland say they're increasingly worried that the LNP has become too city-centric since the two parties merged in 2008, leaving room for a third party to attract votes in rural and regional areas. Another option, according to Phil Curry, is for the LNP to sit in a separate party room as a third coalition member. Adding to this, it's George Christensen. Now, we're wondering what his future will be in the party, given his increasingly outspoken views. And his decision yesterday to quit as the whip of the National Party fueled speculation he was thinking of leaving. He's adamant, as well as Nationals leader Barnaby Joyce, that he's staying in the party, but made it clear he's unimpressed with the direction of the coalition under Malcolm Turnbull. The move by the member for Dawson makes more sense if it's because of the push to split the LNP up again. But watch this space. One of the golden rules of setting up a parliamentary inquiry, especially one that you have control of, is that you should be able to predict what the outcome is going to be. Despite this, yesterday's report into the Racial Discrimination Act failed to reach a consensus over Section 18C, and this is going to be a major headache for Malcolm Turnbull. He'll need to make a captain's call on this, potentially. This report presented a number of options, though, to the Prime Minister, to the Cabinet and the Coalition Party Room, But it stops short of recommending wholesale changes, and it has upset those who have been agitating for a major overhaul. It's recommended procedural changes to the way the Human Rights Commission deals with complaints to tackle vexatious claims, although Tony Abbott wants that abolished completely. But it came up with a number of options to potentially change the wording. For some, it won't go far enough. Liberal MP David Coleman has told the AM program he opposes any changes to the Act because it can make people vulnerable to racial attacks. But federal Liberal Ian Goodenough, who chaired the committee, says freedom of speech needs to be preserved, while Senator James Patterson on 7.30 last night said the party needs to act on this. The Australian newspaper warns this could be a test of Malcolm Turnbull's leadership, while Michelle Grattan from The Conversation warns that it's an issue he simply cannot win and a dangerous one in marginal, multicultural electorates held by the Liberals. Every single ambassador will be heading back to Australia next month. They'll be here for a two-day conference, with Foreign Minister Julie Bishop and the Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull to help form Australia's future foreign policy, according to Fairfax Media. It forms part of the Foreign Policy White Paper, which is due to be released later this year, a roadmap at a time where the political landscape is being shaped by Donald Trump China and the European Union. It will cost $1.1 million, but will be taken out of the department's existing budget with other regional meetings cancelled in order to fund it. 
James Masola from the SMH says there appears to be some disagreement between business groups about how to push back against a campaign by Labor and the unions over penalty rates. A phone hookup last night between a number of major players had to be cancelled. The Employment Minister Michaelia Cash rang the heads of these key business groups seeking their help. Ennis Willocks from the AI Group told the AFR that they would continue to promote the ruling but warned that businesses risked recrimination if they campaigned. This comes at a time where the opposition leader Bill Shorten is putting pressure on the crossbench to support Labor's bid to prevent the Fair Work Commission's ruling from coming into force. A report by the Australian National Audit Office has found four of seven fraud prevention methods in welfare were ineffective and failed to meet their targets. These seven compliance measures between 2012 and 2016 were supposed to save $2.1 billion but fell short. This doesn't apply, by the way, to the robo-debt collection issues that we've been talking about recently. This is being disputed by the Human Services Minister, Alan Tudge, who says the ANAO is just using different accounting methodology. He says that $3.9 billion in savings have been realised. The Guardian reports that the former Treasurer Wayne Swan will call on Labor to adopt the so-called Buffett Rule for high-income earners. He'll deliver a speech to the AWU National Conference, arguing the party needs to seriously consider the idea, which calls for those earning more than $300,000 a year, for instance, to pay a minimum mandated amount of tax. This will put him at odds with the shadow treasurer Chris Bowen, with the issue also being raised in yesterday's caucus meeting in Parliament. The left of the party has been agitating for these changes for a while, and they'll be emboldened by Mr Swan's intervention, who's from the right faction. New figures released this morning will determine whether the Australian economy entered a technical recession or not. The GDP figures for the December quarter are tipped to be positive after the economy shrank by 0.5% in the September quarter. Market economists are predicting the national accounts will show growth at around 0.8% for the last three months of 2016, lifting the annual growth rate to 2%. There's a good explainer, by the way, on the ABC website as well about exactly what these GDP GDP figures are telling us. Now, there was a fair bit from Senate estimates yesterday, so we will do a quick recap of all the issues that emerged. Australia Post CEO Ahmed Fahour fronted up, and there were tensions, obviously, over this uh, debate about his wage. But funnily enough, no one from One Nation was there, and they were the ones who were trying to make an example of him resigning last week, claiming he was trying to avoid scrutiny. He'll still be in the job for the next few months at least. He's in line for a $6 million bonus this year on top of his $2 million salary. We heard some more details from the AFP about the van explosion outside the headquarters of the Australian Christian Lobby in Canberra. Senator Darren Hinch told the hearing that he heard the man responsible was Vietnamese and his aim was self-immolation and that this was not an attack on the ACL itself. The AFP Commissioner Andrew Colvin says... That was a statement that was well-sourced. The man's motives appear to have been to try to commit suicide and not to send any particular message to the lobby group. ASIO says it has been allowed to gain access to the metadata of a small number of journalists. We don't know who they are or how many journalists have been affected, and it's the first time, according to The Guardian, that ASIO has admitted publicly it has gained access to such information. This obviously has ramifications for whistleblowers and journalists. The Attorney-General George Brandis declared he did not mislead parliaments over the Bell Group affair and the fate of $300 million tied up in a lengthy court case. He's accused of having a conversation with the WA Treasurer a week before he said he did. 
but the Attorney General in Senate Estimate says he has no recollection of an earlier conversation and therefore didn't mislead Parliament. As Josh Taylor from Crikey points out, if only there was a publicly available diary that showed who he spoke to. And then Erica Betts and the rainbow flag. Somebody told him that a rainbow flag could be seen in the foyer of 1 Canberra Avenue, where the Department of Finance is based. It looks pretty innocuous, I have to admit, but to Senator Abetz, the flag is an activist flag and questioned the protocols for flags being displayed inside the building. He then alleged that this was the same flag used by the gay and lesbian kingdom of the Coral Sea Islands, an obscure group that declared war in Australia somehow, so that now that's on the hand side. The Department of Finance will be looking into it, apparently. Incidentally, the gay and lesbian Mardi Gras is also going to be on this weekend. And if you've got time, don't forget to follow the Twitter account at FoundInTheHandsard, especially with the conversations between One Nation Senator Malcolm Roberts and the CSIRO, as well as all the other shenanigans we've been hearing over the course of Senate estimates in the next past few days. Something for the diary, the head of NAB will front up to a second round of parliamentary hearings into the banking sector this Friday. Commonwealth Bank, ANZ and Westpac are up this week. The House of Representatives starts at 9.30 this morning and the GDP figures are out today at 11.30 Canberra time. Donald Trump's first address to Congress will be on at around 1pm. The Treasurer Scott Morrison is on the AM program. There's no media plans for either Malcolm Turnbull or Bill Shorten at this stage. And we have Senate estimates continuing today. We have education and training. It's up as well as defence first thing at 9am. The Treasury Secretary is also up this morning and the Department of Health also starts today. ASADA is on tonight. There's a few House committees as well looking at driverless cars in Australia as well as innovation in the tertiary sector. It should be partly cloudy and a medium chance of showers and storms this afternoon in Canberra with a top of 28 degrees. I'm Francis Keeney. Thanks again for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on iTunes or post a review if you want. You can visit the website, thetrough.com.au, and I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. Talk to you tomorrow.